Bam. Okay. So, church leadership is the subject that we've been going over uh, the last couple of weeks. Last week we looked at apostles. Shared with you that if you've ever done a Facebook search uh, for people with the first name Apostle, uh, you get quite a few, up into the thousands. And, uh, and that's not actually their first name. That's the title that most of them have given, them, given themselves. And uh, there's an old saying that the proof is in the pudding. Uh, you'll know a tree by its fruit. If an apostle is an apostle, he will do apostly things. He will go forth, he will be set forth, and he will do stuff. He will go and he'll start churches. He will go and he will, uh, he'll be one of those guys who can start from the ground up and, and make something where nobody else can make something. He can start a church. Uh, some, some of these men are entrepreneurs. They can start businesses seemingly out of nothing. They just have that, that gift to be set forth to do stuff. That was last week was Apostles. Um, while the, the capital A Apostle uh, office has ceased with the original 12 apostles, uh, we still have uh, those who work in the apostolic gift as we find in Ephesians chapter 4. That's sort of our main text. The real purpose and thrust behind this is for us as Christians, you know, um, we want to make sure that we don't find ourselves underneath bad leadership. Um, some folks get things wrong and they fail, but they fail moving forward. They fail uh, for lack of knowledge. They fail for uh, making a bad choice or, or, or not the right choice. It's not, an, it's not an issue of sin. It's just that uh, where they should have gone left, they went right, something like that. And, uh, you know, that's not necessarily bad leadership. That's just making a, a wrong choice. But there are leaders who, who, whether they do it ignorantly or willfully, they take a power, a, a position of power, and use it to abuse others. They manipulate the power that they find in the leadership, um, even over a small congregation, and they abuse that for their own gain, whether it just be power, whether it be financial, um, what have you, whatever Whatever reason, the last reason is the glorification of Jesus. So we want to make sure that we know what the leaders of the Bible, who they are, who God has called, and how we can tell, a, 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 in this case, a real prophet from a false prophet. We're going to ask five questions. The first is, what is a prophet? Second is, are the Old Testament and New Testament prophets the same? Number three is, do they speak what God has said or does God perform what they say? And that's where we're going to spend a lot of our time. Uh, number four, how is Jesus revealed in them? And number five, how can we identify a false prophet? So turn to Ephesians chapter four. And uh, as you turn there, um, the responsibility falls on us when it comes to identifying um, false teaching, false doctrine, uh, false apostles, false prophets. Um, we, can, uh, we can rely on the Holy Spirit. We can trust him to show us, to teach us, to reveal to us things that people are doing that are wrong, that, sh that they shouldn't be followed. I'll have people come and ask me, well, if this teaching is bad, should I keep following that ministry? And I'll usually tell them, 
That's between you and the Lord. But I trust that the Lord will tell you what to do, whether it's to stick it out or, or to, to sever ties with that uh, ministry or those people or that teaching. So let me ask you a question. I like to start with illustrations to help us understand uh, understand something eternal by looking at something temporary that sort of is a shadow of, of what we're trying to learn. Much like in the way Jesus used parables, it's kind of what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to copy Jesus since he gets it right all the time. So have you ever, ever, have you ever had someone, uh, especially a child, make a decision or a promise for you? Uh, I'll relate my story here. Um, when I was a kid, uh, there was a brief time, and my mom took care of it really quick, uh, where I would go ahead and make arrangements with cousins and friends that, sure, we're going to have a sleepover. You're going to come to my house. You're going to have dinner with us. You're going to sleep on our couch. We're going to play video games all night long. And it's going to be a fun time without consulting with my parents and primarily my mom. Um, make all these arrangements, go to mom, and find out that's the last thing mom wants. Um, maybe it's a school night. Maybe we've got a lot of responsibilities the next day. They don't allow us to um, you know, wake up later in the day and, and there's just too many things we have to do. There's plans that were already made and here I've gone and now she has to go undo everything that I've done. Um, she has to break it to the, to the cousin, the friend. I'm sorry, you can't come over tonight. Uh, maybe another time, but tonight's not good. Uh, and she taught me very quickly, you've got to consult with me first. You've got to make sure everything's okay with me first. Come to me, talk to me, and I will give you the green light or the red light. It's not that you're asking for something wrong. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's just whether or not it's good for us right now. Um, if you've ever been in that, on the opposite end of that, meaning you're the parent and your child has done that, um, it can, it, it's, it's a lesson you have to teach your child. Because they don't have, you know, the time management skills. They don't understand the severity of some of our responsibilities as adults. And you have to relay that to them. My son has, has tried to do the same things. I kind of I knew what would be coming since I did it to my parents. And so we've been able to talk to Ethan and Ellie about how, you know, we've got to make sure, you know, we don't have doctor's appointments or baseball games or, or anything like that. Here's why I share that with you. There are those in the church who teach that prophets go and whatever they say is going to happen. And that's anti-biblical. The Bible does not teach that God calls prophets who can then go and say whatever they want and God will honor that. So example, prophet gets up and says, you know what? All of you are going to be rich in the name of Jesus. That'd be awesome if it was true. With the understanding that I have spoken, the prophet, the prophet has spoken, and now God must honor the word that I have spoken. What they've done now is brought God down and themselves up, and they've put themselves on level with Jesus. That's bad. Um, God's here, we're here. Uh, he brings us up, but he never comes down. Um, he never goes below us. Uh, he might serve us, but he's not our slave. That's point number three. We'll get that in, to that in a moment. So Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, 
the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceit excuse me by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes God has given these five offices these five positions in the church to grow the body of Christ, to get us all to this level of maturity, to not be baby Christians, but to be adult Christians, to be Christians that, that aren't tossed to and fro. Um, children and, and some young adults and even some older adults who haven't quite grown up yet, um, they're tossed to and fro by everything. Something comes up, oh no, that thing. And then something else, oh no, this way. And they're, they're always going back and forth and they're not steady. And James chapter one, I believe, says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Paul says that these offices were given, these people were given so that we could become steady. That we're not, we're not tossed to, to and fro like a wave in the ocean. Haven't been to the, the ocean in a few months. Uh, we were just there in Florida uh, didn't go in the water, though, because there was warnings about uh, wildlife couldn't go out there. In California, we weren't that far from the beach. Um, the closest beach that we would go to was a beach called Pismo Beach. If you've ever watched the Bugs Bunny cartoons where he'd say, here we are, Pismo Beach and all the clams we can eat. That's the beach he was referring to. It was once a, a place where you could go and you could go clam digging. And they don't do that anymore. But that's what Bugs Bunny was referencing, referencing was Pismo Beach. In the height of summer, on the hottest days of the year, the ocean was still like 50 degrees. Horrible. Me and a cousin uh, in our mid-20s, uh, when we were a lot dumber, decided we're going to go out there and try to bodyboard or boogie board. Uh, it's kind of like surfing, but it's a thousand times harder and not quite as fun. Short foam. It's like, you know the ice coolers you buy? Like Imagine taking the lid off of that and trying to surf on it. That's pretty much what it is. Um, you go out there, the water was cold. But the waves were kind of big and you just get knocked back and forth. You, you, you try to steady yourself and then a wave comes in and knocks you over. And, and you really can't do much about it because your, your, your weight isn't the same as it is on land. You're, you're so unsteady. That's sort of the imagery that Paul uses that, that when we are um, immature, it's like, we're, it's like we're standing in an ocean and a wave, waves are tossing us back and forth. We're not in control. The outside circumstances are. And so what we have to do is allow God to build us up. And he uses these five offices and, and positions to do that. Our first question is, what is a prophet? Very easy question. I mentioned last week, we'll be using Vine's Expository Dictionary of New, Wor uh, New Testament Words. There is a website called Blue Letter Bible. Uh, this is a resource they provide absolutely free. It's very commonly used and referenced uh, when doing word studies and looking up definitions of biblical words. Um, first published, I believe, in the 1940s. I could be wrong on that, but it's not just something that came around, you know, last couple years. It's been around for quite some time. The definition is one who speaks forth or openly. It's someone who proclaims especially a divine message 
Christianity is not the only religion with prophets. Every major religion has a prophet of their own. Um, you might be familiar with, with Islam and their prophet Muhammad. Okay, They have prophets. Um, in Judaism, uh, what we study in the Old Testament, there was prophets in the Old Testament. Um, and then there's all kinds of different uh, groups and, and, and religions who have their own men who they proclaim to be prophets. The prophets that we're talking about tonight are not those prophets. We're talking about specifically men, but there's also prophetesses we find in the, Old, in the New Testament who God has called and given a message to them that they then have to convey to the church, be it corporately or individually. It plays out both ways. That is, in its simplest form, a prophet. Now, a prophet can be both a, a, a person, that person is a prophet, or someone could work prophetically. Um, they can do both, but there are times where God will use ordinary men or ordinary women to prophetically preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They may not be a prophet in and of themselves, but they carry out the duty of a, of a prophet or they work in that office. I would say more often than not, if they are doing the work of a prophet, they've been called to be a prophet. You cannot choose to be a prophet, much like you can't choose to be an apostle. You also can't choose to be any of the other offices. So where we as humans, faulty humans might say, well, I want to be a teacher. You know, humans have the capacity to teach. Um, even this teacher is an appointment made by God. While you might be able to teach in some other arena, teaching about Jesus ultimately comes through the gifting that Jesus has given through that person, that teacher. So a prophet in our day and age most commonly refers to those who preach. I don't consider myself a prophet. I don't. But I do consider uh, what I do on a Sunday morning prophetic preaching. I am declaring the word of the Lord. I am declaring to you what God has already said here. Um... I can't claim any kind of audible voice that God has spoken to me and I must say these things. Um, at the very least, I am bringing you God's word and I am declaring it. I am proclaiming it and then trusting the Holy Spirit to do his work through that. I do believe that the messages I bring on a Sunday morning or like tonight on a Wednesday night, um, I've prayed over them, I've studied them, and I do believe that these are specific messages and time for the people who will be here. So for those of you who are here tonight, this message is first for you because you are here. I believe that. Um, for those who are missing out, hey, they're lost. But for us, we're here. It's what we are going to learn. It's what God wants us to know. Number two, are Old Testament and New Testament prophets the same? This is really, with the exception of maybe pastors slash shepherds, the only position by name that carries over from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, there were teachers and there were pastors in the Old Testament, and there were those who worked apostolically in the Old Testament as well. 
But of these five titles, it appears that the prophet's the only one that, that carried over from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, you had men like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, David, Samuel, in the book of First and Second Samuel, uh, he's referred to as a prophet. Uh, Moses is referred to as a prophet. Um, these men are called prophets, and there's prophets in the New Testament as well, including here in this scripture that references that there are more than just those prophets, including prophetesses. Uh, there's a man in the book of Acts, he had daughters who were prophetesses. So there are women who are also prophets. God uses them to proclaim his word. Whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, the goal is still the same. That's to say what God has said uh, to the people. I was thinking about this today, how we, we kind of just read through things too fast. And we've, we as Christians, if we've been Christians for too long, we just take things and don't explore them. So to use every day, you know, maybe, maybe there's a day where you're driving and you see a rainbow off to the side and you don't really care. But then there's another time where the light hits it just right and you see a rainbow and you begin to understand and remember the promise that God made to Noah to not flood the earth again. I mean, you really begin to meditate upon what that symbolizes and what it means. I began to think about God's word just, just a little while ago and thought, you know, that's the way that God chose to convey his message to his people by speaking to them. We would say that, that speaking is a, is a primal thing or, or a human nature thing, uh, but it's also how God has chosen to speak or how to communicate to us. He could have chosen any way that he wanted to. He could have put uh, only signs in the sky. He could have just did miraculous works, but he chose to speak to us. And I think that's pretty cool because I, I understand speech probably better than any other form of communication, much like you. So whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, prophets continue. Are they different? I would say that the prophets today, in this day, in this age, uh, they are different, much like the apostles. So where you've got in the Old Testament men like Isaiah and Ezekiel, their writings became works of the Bible. Um, the the prophets of today, they're not writing books of the Bible. What they're doing is they are proclaiming what God has already said. Everything that they say will come to pass, not because they've said it, but because God has said it, which leads us to our next question. Do they speak what God has said or do they perform uh, or do they, or does God perform what they say? Here's the common misunderstanding. I have stood at many altars. I have stood before many prophets who have said they had a word from the Lord for me, for my wife, and what they have said has not come to pass. What they believed was that they could speak and these things would happen. And that's not how it works. If you go to the Old Testament or the New Testament, it is the prophet proclaiming the message that God has given them first. Turn to... The book of Ezekiel, I'll give you a really good example. Book of Ezekiel, Old Testament prophet, chapter 37. Um, tonight and this Sunday, uh, some of our, uh, our previous sermon series, the uh, 
in Jesus' name, you're wrong. Uh, learning how to rightly handle the word of God. Sermon series is kind of creeping in, kind of making a guest appearance. Um, this was one of the ones I really wanted to bring. Uh, but honestly, we could just go on and on uh, for many Sundays, bringing up scriptures that are misused. So verse 37, or excuse me, chapter 37 says this in verse one. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Try to put yourself there. You're in a desert and there are bones everywhere. Not animal bones, human bones. Human bones generally means people are dead. You don't see a lot of human bones when people are alive. If you do, it's a grave accident that has just happened. These are dry bones. So the difference between a dry bone and a bone that's not dry means that they have decomposed. They are sitting there. They have been dry. They have been, they have been decomposing for a long, long, long time. God proposes this question to Ezekiel. Can they live again? And Ezekiel basically says, God, you know. I don't know. Seems like a loaded question, God. Seems like you already know these things, but you're asking me, and I'm going to just give that question right back to you. Um, Lord God, you know. Verse four says, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live goes on to talk about the, the bones and the sinews and everything come together. Most bad teaching says, see, Ezekiel spoke to those bones and they came to life. I would just ask, what did Ezekiel speak to them? The word of the Lord. Verse four, prophesy over these bones. This is God speaking to Ezekiel and say to them, See, God has given Ezekiel the words to say. Ezekiel doesn't go from there and then say whatever he wants. Bones, get up and live. Buy a car and start a business. Start a family. Go and do this. He says, no. He says what God tells him to say. That is, by definition, what a prophet is to do. Ezekiel did not say his own words. He said the, word, the words of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord that has power. Our words have power when we speak the words of the Lord. Not just our own words. God will not just bless everything that we say. God, give me this. God, give me that. And then God just bows and gives us whatever we want. Like the child, like me as a child, saying, sure, come over to my house and spend the night. Speaking on my parents' behalf, that wasn't always going to go down because mom and dad had final say and they knew what was best. And so the best thing I could do was go and get the word of the mom and come back and say this, thus saith mom, you can spendeth the night. Thus saith the mom, no, or I'll be grounded. You know that I say what they say. We say what God says. We have so much word 
from God right here, some 700,000 words that God has inspired various men over thousands of years from different walks of life in different regions of the earth to say on his behalf, if God should remain silent from here on out, he has given us everything we need. I praise God that he is not a silent God, but a God who speaks. Ultimately, God performs what he has said he will perform and has not given us the liberty to say whatever we want because we will, at some point, we will, we will gratify the flesh of ourselves or others before we do what God wants. Ultimately, the words the prophet will say are meant to glorify Jesus. Not the prophet, not the people, but Jesus. The office of the prophet is probably, along with the apostle, the most notorious for the results of their lives, the end of their lives. All of the apostles, except for John, killed for their faith. Many of the prophets in the Old Testament killed because they spoke on God's behalf. Turn to Hebrews Go to chapter 11, one of, the, one of the greatest chapters of all of the Bible. If you hit James, you went too far. Hebrews chapter 11. 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Very good verse. Keep that one close by. But as you go through, you go down, the writer of the book of Hebrews begins to, to name off men and women who have done great things based on faith in God. Not just vague spirituality, vague faith that maybe things will just turn out okay, but faith that relies upon the performance of Jesus. Men like Abel, all the way back to the beginning, Abel and Enoch and, and Noah and Abraham. You get through to, to Moses, you keep going. Let's see where if I can find it here. Ah, uh, see, blah, blah, blah. verse 32. And what more shall I say for a time will fail uh, for time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak and Samson, Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets sort of a blanket term for all of the prophets of the Old Testament who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Here's where it gets fun. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. That word flogging, we usually just bring that out at Easter time, at Resurrection Sunday, because Jesus was flogged. In the Roman Empire, flogging meant you took something called the cat of nine tails. It was this leather whip with lots of whips on it with bits of bone and shards of metal and rock embedded in the leather and, and, and the leather strips and they'd strike you on the back with them. And when they struck you on the back, if it didn't go across, it would get stuck in your back and then they'd whip it out of your back. That was the, the flogging that we're referring to here. And even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, 
of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. The good news is in 39, and all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God, since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Prophets, usually, not all of them, but for the most part, died gruesome, horrible deaths, not because they did what was wrong, but because they did what God told them. They said what God told them to say. I would question prophets who dress in soft clothing who live soft lives without any type of resistance. I find that when God's word is proclaimed, you have people who are broken by it and they surrender to God or they stand up and they bristle against it to shut the mouths of those who speak the word of God. And if those two things aren't happening, I would wager that maybe, just maybe, God's word's not being spoken. That God's message is not being spoken. So how is Jesus revealed? Jesus, like the office of apostle, he is the ultimate prophet. He is not merely a prophet. He's not only a prophet. But if you're going to look at a prophet and you want to see the template, the perfection of a prophet, always look to Jesus. John 12 and 49 says, this is Jesus speaking, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. For those who believe that they can say whatever they want and God will make it happen, I would say, read John 12 and 49, that Jesus came, he spoke what the father told him to speak. Even Jesus, the second person in the Trinity, follows the order of the Godhead and is sent by the Father to say things that the Father has ordained first. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, so we'll link Old and New Testament. We don't want to keep them separate. Old Testament speaks of Jesus. New Testament reveals Jesus and speaks of his second coming. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 says this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see his great fire anymore lest I die. See what had happened was the people, they were afraid of God. They were cool with Moses going up and communing with God. Uh, they wanted to hear it from Moses because they were afraid that if God spoke, they would die. And uh, so Moses said, okay, I'll go speak on your behalf and God will speak to me. And, uh, and the people could stay at the foot of the mountain and quiver in fear. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I, will requ I myself will require it 
of him. Uh, That last little part there can be a little confusing. In the New Living Translation, it says, I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. This is an Old Testament prophecy, not only of prophets, but of Jesus who is to come. Moses says to the people, the word that God has given him, there's going to be another prophet who's going to come up like me. Not, not I, mean, I mean, better than me. Not exactly like me because, you know, Moses was a murderer and a sinner and was occasionally disobedient to God as most sinners are. But one like him in that he would speak on God's behalf the words that God had given him to speak to the people. And God says, you are to listen to him. I always feel that when God gives prophecy, it's because he knows the outcome. When he says things like, you'd better listen to him or you're going to be dealt with, it's because the people aren't going to listen. And we know thousands of years later, Jesus will come and the Jewish people don't listen to Jesus. They want him dead. Now, this is true of all prophets, but it culminates. It finds its, its truest definition in Jesus as the answer to that prophecy or the, the fulfillment and the culmination of that promise. So how can we identify a false prophet? Well, simply hold them up to Jesus. With, a, with, a, with any type of person, perfection is going to be hard. But here's what Deuteronomy, just, just, just right after this promise of a prophet that will be coming, uh, there is this warning to the people on how to identify a false prophet. Verse 20 says, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Okay, I'm not a smart man. I went to public school I dropped out, finished at an adult continuation school, and then went to a nine-month-long, quote-unquote, seminary uh, internship program to learn how to be a pastor uh, where I didn't really learn how to pastor all that much. Um, Even I know that this is a big warning to not say stuff in the name of God when he hasn't spoken. The warning is twofold. The man who speaks on behalf of God when God hasn't spoken or the man who says he's a prophet of another God. Both of them shall die. It doesn't say he'll die instantaneously. doesn't say he'll die a horrible death. doesn't say how he will die. It says he will be dead. I think that's a big warning to make sure if you feel as though you are a prophet that you speak the words of God. Continuing in verse 21. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? Because let's look at this practically. Group of people, man stands up, I've got a message from the Lord. And he speaks to the people. The people have to know, well, you know, he said that the Lord spoke to him. How are we supposed to know? You know, if it was just secret knowledge or secret messages between him and God, I mean, we didn't hear it. We're just supposed to trust this guy? Verse 22 says, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is the word that the Lord has not spoken. 
The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Notice that when God calls a prophet, if he speaks through them and what he says takes place, actually is going to take place, actually takes place. If you don't listen, you will be dealt with by God. But, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of reverence there. There's a lot of respect, not for the man, but for the position and the power that God has, has done and the responsibility that they have, that you are respecting that what they've said is what God has said. But if they're speaking whatever they want, just whims and whatever pops into their head, God says, don't be afraid of them. Prophet comes up and says, God told me you're going to have a baby because we've had that happen. No baby comes. They weren't a prophet. Somebody's going to give you money and you're going to be out of your financial woes and nobody gives you money. They weren't a prophet. They say something that doesn't come to pass Maybe, just maybe, they're not a prophet. The prophets that I know, and I can count them on one hand, their track records, it's not that they themselves are perfect, but pretty much perfect. They don't go around speaking what they want to be spoken. They say what the Lord tells them to say. And they will be the first to tell you when they have been in error or folly. They will tell you, I spoke what I wanted to speak. I I did it the other way. I'm a prophet. I say what I want and uh, God will do it. And I found it real quick. It doesn't work like that. If a prophecy is said and it doesn't happen, that's not a prophecy. Um, It was three years ago this week, actually today, that a man named Harold Camping prophesied that Jesus was going to be returning to take back his church and multitudes followed him and bought billboards and, and proclaimed that May 21st, 2011, Jesus was going to return and you had better be ready. Families sold everything that they had to buy these billboards to, to get rid of everything because after all, they're not going to need it anymore. And here we are three years later. He tried to change his story. He tried to recalculate his days. But here's what we know three years later. That was a false prophecy from a false prophet. I'm not judging him. I'm using the standard test that God has given me to judge prophets. And I would say, based on the results, that was a false prophecy and a false prophet. In the 80s, Tons of people. It was a big decade to proclaim the return of Jesus, the end of the world, the rapture, and all of them were wrong. But man is, well, I don't want to say they're smart, but they're, they're crafty. Like Satan, there are men who call themselves prophets. And so instead of being specific, they give general prophecies. You could make quite a living being the type of person who comes up before and has an altar call and says, the Lord has a word for you. The Lord says he loves you. He wants to bless you. You are very worth very much a lot to him. Vague, general. Things that the word of God already says. Now, those things aren't untrue. And so they're safe to say. But then they'll speak ambiguously. 
Things that should you interpret them one way, they don't pass that way. Well, that's not what I meant. That's not what I said. That's not what the Lord means. You took it the wrong way. This is what, maybe what that meant. And I would say the Lord's pretty good at communicating. He he's, doesn't have a speech problem. You know, he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't understand language and how to convey himself. He's God, the creator of speech. He knows how to talk. He knows how to speak. So that's how we know when there's a false prophet. Someone shows up on Larry King or Cooper Anderson or some other thing and says, world's gonna end, Jesus is gonna return, I'm a prophet, I'm this, I'm that, and what he says did not come to pass, nothing, nothing. Could be wrong, you know, I'm not saying he's a complete, you know, completely lost, but definitely that prophecy was not of God, or it would be performed. I skipped a scripture, Isaiah 55 and 10, kind of close with this. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it uh, bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, or some translations say, will not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. If God has spoken something, try to imagine words on a mission. If God has spoken, it's going to happen. You go to the book of Genesis, you go to chapter one, you go to the creation of the earth. God spoke, stuff happened. God spoke, there was light. God spoke, there was earth. God spoke, there was sky. God spoke, there was dirt. God spoke, there was water. God spoke, there was animals. God spoke, God spoke, God spoke, and there was stuff but it goes out to accomplish what he wants, what God wants. It's not our word that has the power, it's God's word. Second Corinthians 1, 1 and 2 says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him, that is Jesus. This is in the King James and New King James. All of God's promises are yes and amen. Both of these scriptures get pulled out. God, they'll say things like, my word will not return void. Uh, and um, all, all God's promises are yes and amen. Taken wildly out of context. Taken out of the immediate discourse. Lots of words left out to turn into a slogan or something that just rolls off a tongue too quickly. God said that my word goes out to do what I want and what I intend. And that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ, in him. When you see Jesus, he is the culmination, the, the epitome of every promise God has made. All the promises of God that God has made to us, not that man has made, but that God has made in his word, they find their completion in Jesus. So at the end of the day, the prophet is talking about Jesus, proclaiming truth about Jesus, proclaiming a message about Jesus. The only real difference from Old Testament and New Testament you find in Hebrews chapter one, 
I'll go back there so I don't misquote it. But Hebrews chapter one says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last, day, he, last days, he has spoken to us by his son. For the Hebrews, bringing up prophets, they know what this, the writer knows that they're going to instantly remember men like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel, uh, Daniel and, and Micah and Malachi and all the men that you find after the, 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 uh, the book of Psalms and Proverbs and Song of Solomon. He says, you know how God talked to us through them? Now God's speaking to us through Jesus. The prophets now, they proclaim the word of Jesus. And if someone says something to you, I have a word from the Lord. It better sound like Jesus. It better be the words he has spoken. And if what they say doesn't come to pass, then it's not Jesus. Real simple. Um, so I want to pray. Lots of people come in the name of the Lord doesn't mean they're actually speaking on God's behalf. There are some who believe that if they just say, in Jesus' name, that's like the seal of approval. That's the stamp that gets stuff done. Give, them a, give me a car in Jesus' name. That's a stamp of approval. No, that's not how it works. If God wants that and God says that, then it will happen, whether you fight it or whether you accept it. God's word goes out to accomplish what it wills. There are lots of people who spoke against Jesus. He still walked that path to the hill of the skull, died a sinner's death on our behalf, regardless of them saying, no, it shall not happen. This is wrong. Peter said, far be it from you to do that, Lord. And Jesus said, Satan, get behind me. God the Father had spoken. God the Son said, I will speak what you tell me to say. And prophets do the same. So let's pray. We'll go home. And uh, hopefully this will help you identify as you're watching TV, as you're listening to the radio, reading books, that sort of thing. Um, you'll realize that the, the title, the office of prophet is not one to take lightly. And just because somebody says they're a prophet doesn't mean that they are. Prophets do prophety things. It's just the way that it is. Prophets do the stuff that prophets do.